Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Inspiration can strike at any time, but the sparks that light the fire within often come from something outside of yourself. A conversation with a friend, a moving song, a chance encounter with a stranger, a moment you just can't shake. And if you allow these moments to ignite the flames of your soul, it will burn out of control and can change your life forever. Finding these moments is easy. We encounter inspiration everywhere. The difficult part is using that inspiration as a way forward and trusting the flames to guide you. Today's guests, Mark and Steffi, share some of the inspiring moments that led them to a life of travel, adventure, love, and music. As the only Chapman Stick duo in the world, they've taken an unconventional approach to earning a living on the road while making a difference. I hope you enjoy hearing their story today. It's sure to provide a spark of inspiration. What you do with it is up to you. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thanks for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. At the time of recording, it is Valentine's Day that this show is released, so I want to remind you to be your own Valentine. We can always be our own Valentines, right? Love yourself, be your own Valentine. And treat yourself. Enjoy the day today. Now, that song you heard at the top was Cascade from Mark and Steffi's new album, Rising Tides, which is available on markwhitelive.com. Of course, we'll link to all of this in the show notes. And as you'll hear today, I discovered them through a random video, <laughs> kind of tracked them down and said, hey, you got to come on the podcast and talk. I see you're traveling around. You're making a living from your art. And you're doing it on your terms. That's what this show's all about, traveling the world on your terms. And every time I hear about somebody, in this case, a couple who has found their own way, their own path towards a life of travel, I'm inspired. I talked about inspiration at the top of the show. That fans my flames. And it reminds me that we can all find a unique path that allows us to incorporate as much travel as we want into our lives. And 
They've certainly done that. They've taken an unconventional approach to how they earn a living as musicians as compared to how most musicians earn a living, giving them the freedom to roam. Of course, you'll hear some travel advice today. They offer up some advice for international couples. It's another thing that they've taken an unconventional approach to. They've found ways to stay together despite visa challenges and things like that. And they also talk about how music connects them as a couple and allows them to connect with a culture and so much more. I know you're going to love it. Stick around on the back end if you want to hear some thoughts around the conversation. I'll leave you with a quote as well. Thanks for being here and listening to the show. Don't forget, lastly, sign up at ZeroToTravel.com if you want to find out about new shows, get my weekly newsletter, and all that good stuff. You can sign up over there. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy my conversation with Mark and Steffi. I'll see you on the other side, my friend. Well, I'm really excited to have you guys here. You're actually on the road right now then? Or are you? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We are performing and uh, we have three weeks here in Europe and then we'll be off to Southeast Asia for six months for the winter and time. Is that going to be a performing schedule or is there like some scheduled things and busking along the way or you're just kind of winging yeah. it? Uh, well, we oh. are going to wing it. Uh, we never actually schedule any performance that we do. It's uh, We turn up and we say, you feel like playing today? And that's about it. <laughs> that's, that's our schedule. <laughs> well, we, we actually, um, we sometimes get a lot of people requesting bookings, but we just say we don't even know where we're going to be in three weeks. So we usually turn everything down. We don't really like planning that far ahead. We just yeah. love being spontaneous and mm-hmm. not having to be back at a certain day at a certain time. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. All right. Well, <laughs> I should just mention I am, am on with Mark White and Stephanie Barthel, the only Chapman stick duo in the world, which is very cool. <laughs> and I think you guys were performing in Tromso, I believe, mm-hmm. way up north in Norway. And I just happened to catch a video of both of you in, in Northern Norway. And I thought, these guys, they sound cool. This is interesting. And, and they seem like they're traveling around. And I kind of read a little bit about your story and, and what you do with your album. So all the stuff we're going to get into today. And I saw, oh, I have to invite them on. Then I was hoping you were still in Norway so we could meet up in person. But you had already, then you were like in Latin We moved quick. Somewhere we, yeah, we, I don't we just even had know. a month there. Yeah, we were yeah. just traveling through. <laughs> Did you enjoy your time in Norway? Oh, absolutely. It was so stunning. It was definitely, uh, landscape-wise, the most beautiful country I've ever seen. Incredible. Incredible. It was um, uh, it, it was amazing. Breathtaking. And uh, all we can think about now is getting back there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great to hear. Well, I should uh, formally say welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. That's my introduction here. And I wanted to start with where you guys met. Because, Mark, you're from Austin and Steffi, oh, you're yeah. from Germany. So, mm-hmm. uh, well, we met Australia, actually. <laughs> <laughs> tell yeah. me the story. How did uh, it go down? Well, that's actually uh, that's a good well, story for her well, to tell. Maybe that's I start how out she first on got started like traveling. how it started for me. I yeah. was just 19 years old and finished high school in Germany. And it's very common in Germany to just take a gap year and grab a backpack and travel the world for one year, and then you come back and continue your studies. So I was on my gap year in Australia and. Within the first three months, I just happened to meet Mark in a hostel and we just hang out together. We started traveling Australia for a while. And then my flight back home came closer and closer and Mark kind of kept 
like popping that idea in my head that I don't have to take it. I could just stay. And <laughs> Trying to corrupt her, you know. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Um, in the end, yeah, I just didn't go to the airport. And I just decided to stay one more year. I thought, oh, what's just one more year? I mean, big deal. So I start my studies a year later. My parents were kind of not too excited, but very understanding. Said, you know, that's kind of why you're left to begin with. So, yeah, figure out what you want in life, I guess. And it's been now almost six years. <laughs> so that's off with of... the Texan from the hostel. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of my story. But Mark has already been traveling for quite some time before we met. Mm, yeah, How long I, have you been traveling? Uh, well, um, uh, I started back in 2015. Uh, I ended up booking a one-way ticket to Europe and just not coming back. Uh, I've been doing music for about 10 years in the U.S. before I left, and I had never really thought it was an option, as everybody from Texas kind of uh, kind of is. You know, we don't really have too much to inspire us for travel, uh, and I ended up just going to Scotland for three weeks. And while I was there in Edinburgh, there was a kid playing his guitar in the streets, and it was the first time that I saw a real good quality busker. And I looked in his case and I was like, you're doing quite all right for yourself. Uh, you, you don't need any permits or anything. He's like, no, you just show up. You're, you're fine. And uh, the crowd that he had, it looked amazing. So I was like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I can give that a go one of these days. And I uh, got inspired, uh, got back uh, to my home, uh, uh, sold everything that I had and uh, um, rented my house out back home. Uh, and booked a one-way ticket and uh, just ended up, uh, I was going to be like, well, how long can I keep this going? And ended up, I just didn't come back, did not come back. <laughs> so it was quite wild. Wow. So that was a shorter trip and he saw this busker and had this sort of epiphany, if you will, and came back, basically stripped down your life and, and took off and, and just wanted to see how far that would take you. And and I guess it eventually took you to Steffi like a year or so later. It was a sense? couple of years later. Yeah. A couple years later. Okay. Mm-hmm. Side note, I met my wife in a hostel in Brazil. So oh, yeah. sometimes these yeah. hostel romances, they, they go so far that the next thing you know, here you are traveling <laughs> the world go. together for years or you know, married with two kids in my case. So it's, uh, oh, congratulations. congratulations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Do you have, uh, any advice for other international couples? Because I get that question sometimes. Oh man. Uh, stay on the road. Don't do visas. <laughs> that is how we did it for the longest time. Just, uh, Mark only in Europe gets only a 90 day tourist visa. So for the first two years, we would just stay uh, with my family for about 90 days. And then we just usually went somewhere together. But now for about three years, he has a working permit and working visa. And oh, yeah. um, the whole like music business is all like legal and registered and we're paying insurances and taxes on it. Like we wanted to make sure that this really is a career for us. I guess it was also the compromise I had to do with my parents. Like I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it right. Yeah. Um, the the pressure was on to, uh, mm-hmm. to make this legit. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, with the, with the visa situation, uh, this is now my, uh, I believe my fourth year that I'm going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that of course opens up all of Europe for travel and yeah, we, we usually stick around uh, during Corona. That was uh, very necessary. We could have gotten split up during this time. But mm-hmm. uh, ironically, because we 
uh, ended up getting the visa one year prior, we actually got to stay together throughout the whole time, which was yeah. really I, I have a cousin and she also has a, now, luckily, a husband, but he was from Nigeria and they were apart for one and a half years during the lockdowns. And there was just no way for them to get a visa for one another. So, so we, 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 we were definitely very fortunate that we were not in the same situation. Mm -hmm. And we used the time wisely. We got down to work and finished a new album. So it was not just Netflix and chill. We actually get to work. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, uh, we are engaged now. We got engaged uh, last year in Croatia. And so, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> it's actually... Um, in the town of Split. In the town of Split. Unfortunate name. But... <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's something that uh, will be a couple of years until we actually figure out the logistics. Because unfortunately, it's not so much fun when you marry Americans. Because we have, uh, of course, uh, as you know, a lot of things that come uh, that come that come with that as far as taxes and oh, uh, uh, yeah, citizenship. It, it's quite a nightmare. So we're putting that off, and we're taking a very long honeymoon right now. Yeah, nice. I love it. Yeah, I guess you could have got engaged in in like a town called Married Forever Croatia, but instead, <laughs> I guess that town doesn't exist. All right, well, tell me about the engagement, and I want to talk about a lot of the stuff you mentioned because, like, just hearing your story a bit here in the beginning brings up, I think, a lot of themes of sort of pursuing creativity and travel and, and music and all the stuff. But I wanted to hear the story about how the engagement went down because those are always fun. Okay. Fun to hear. Yeah, uh, that is actually quite a long story, and unfortunately, the listeners won't be able to see it. But these are actually our engagement necklaces. I saw the matching necklace. Are they matching necklaces? <laughs> they are matching necklaces. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's uh, there's a good story behind that. Uh, we did some traveling in the Philippines, and in the north on the main island is a place called Banawe. That's where the two thousand year old rice terraces are. Um, I believe it's two or four thousand years old. Yeah. It's uh, they live the same way uh, still to this day that they did back then, living off the rice and living off the land. Mm -hmm. And they said all the rice terraces were built on love because if a poor man wanted to get the woman of his dreams, he had to impress the father. And if you had about ten to fifteen terraces in the side of the mountain, you were considered rich. And so he would go to the mountain and start building and, <laughs> until he had his 10 to 15 terraces. And then he would ask for uh, the woman's hand in marriage. And so there, there was all these little uh, serendipitous things about it and ended up, uh, before we left, we got this, uh, I, I bought one of these necklaces there from a uh, local smith. And Steffi was always jealous. She was like, you know, I, yeah, I really know, regret not like, getting Like it. at the time, backpacking in Asia, I was a little low on cash. So I felt like I don't need to buy myself some jewelry right now. But I regretted that forever because it's just such a cool story. It's such a pretty necklace. And we were trekking up there in the rice terraces for three days. And we had a tour guide, a local tour guide. And he showed us his uncle's place. It lives in one of those little like mud cabins. And it was just a fantastic experience. Um, we were at the time together for only about a year, but um, a few years later, I kind of always gave the hint, well, if you ever think of proposing, just to let you know, I'm not a ring kind of girl. I don't care for diamonds, but 
I really wish I had such a beautiful necklace. <laughs> so I kind of gave the hint. <laughs> it's so, yeah, I was like, yeah, that's my kind of girl right there. <laughs> no diamonds, just uh, something, something memorable. But when we got to uh, when we got to split, uh, I always had this fantasy of proposing in Norway on a beautiful fjord that goes down into the ocean. But I couldn't wait. I just I, uh, we got to a place where it was so gorgeous. It had cliffs that went off into the ocean, and the view was just spectacular. It was right next to the harbor, and I was just like, you know, this is it. it feels right. Uh, I'm going to do it. So uh, we got to a. Uh, a place right beside the water started to go over how we met and uh, ended up, I was like, all right, close your eyes. And uh, I fumbled like crazy getting this thing off because yeah. I hadn't taken it, it off ever like, since I put it off. When I opened my eyes, it was down on one knee and having troubles opening up the necklace, but <laughs> I just knew immediately what was, what was about to happen. And so the cool thing is, is like uh, after this, um, I, I've been, of course, missing it ever since. It's like, oh my God, a, a part of me is kind of gone. And when we were in Norway, uh, we were at the base of a glacier uh, near Olden. But no, I, I have to take over from okay. here. Yeah. Um, that was the thing. Yeah. And then I was, he, he told me after that, yeah, he was going to wait. Uh, he was going to wait for Norway. And that was like his dream. I was like, well, maybe I can make that dream come true in my own way. So. I thought, how can I get my hands on one of those necklaces? So I looked through my old contacts and I still found the phone number of the tour guide that we had five years ago. And I just rang him up and asked if he remembered us. And he was like, oh, sure, I remember you guys, the musicians. And I asked, is there any chance you're still in that area? And he said, yeah, he still visits his uncle up there like once a week. And so I asked if he could stop by that goldsmith and grab me one of those necklaces and send it over. And of, of course, I paid him for that. And he did. And so I had it with me for about seven months till I found the perfect spot in Norway. And then it was my time to propose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's acting um, so strange. It was, it was quite weird. It was quite weird at first. <laughs> That's so cool. When she pulled out of her pocket, I was like, how did you how did you get from there to there it's, i didn't believe there was two at first and then it's like my first guess was amazon it's like no no yeah. it couldn't be. it's like no i wouldn't do that no. to you she didn't, she didn't send it amazon prime that's yeah. for sure uh yeah i'm a little jealous of your norwegian engagement because mine took place in just in the train station i don't know why i was in such a hurry there's all these beautiful fjords and all this stuff and i was just like train from america bam here we go right in the train station mm -hmm. i'm gonna have to I hope my wife's not listening to this. Don't worry, she won't. She's not. She doesn't <laughs> listen to my podcast. I'll have to repropose to her another time. I like that. Maybe I'll. Hey, no, it's, uh, I like that story, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the stories, though. It's really, it's it's who it is. I mean, that's mm. that's the most important thing is the person and and the experiences and the life, for sure. Of course, yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about music, Mark. It seems like you've been doing this for a while playing the chapman stick or at least you were beforehand i, I know steffi started with mark i, I want to get to your side of this in a minute but mark well what, what was the first album you ever bought do you remember oh god first album that i bought i'm sure that it was something that i that i long since uh, forgotten about like eminem or something something like that you know maybe disturbed or something uh, back when i was god uh I mean, I always loved music for sure, definitely. Uh, but like with everybody, you go through so many different phases. But I, I, when everything really kind of uh, started for me when I went for guitar lessons to 
uh, to a guy in my hometown. Uh, he charged 25 bucks an hour and he was the only guitar teacher in Elgin, Texas. You know, it's uh, about 30 miles east of Austin. And uh, he had a Chapman stick. And, uh, you know, it's always a weird thing in the corner. You know, if you don't know what it looks like, it has it has 12 strings and you again tap the strings to generate the sound and it looks like a guitar without a body just the neck and so he always had that in the corner and uh one day i asked if he would play it for me right after one of the guitar lessons and uh he played and i was like oh my god uh, this thing this thing sounds incredible i was like can you teach me this instead and he was like i i don't know you know it's like i um i'm still learning it myself i don't i don't feel confident in that and I basically, I, I hounded him until he would, until he would give me a lesson on it. And uh, it took a, a few months, but uh, after a while, he said, all right, let's see how you go. And uh, he taught me a, a little bit of a song. And and basically, uh, he was like, at that time, he was thinking, you know, it'd be a really cool project if there was two of these things. <laughs> if one day, like we started a duo or something. And it, it just kind of, you know. I was a moment in passing, but uh, a couple of years later, I kept to the Chapman stick. I ended up buying my own and uh, he called me up one day. He's like, you know, uh, you might remember when I was saying, you know, it'd be a cool idea to do a duo, uh, bring your Chapman stick over and let's see if we can work some songs out and ended up, uh, worked. I worked with Matt for about 10 years back home. We were the first Chapman stick duo and, uh, we, we traveled all around the States. We mainly did festivals and markets in Texas and, uh, we, uh, we survived off of it full time for, uh, for a good while, a good 10 years. But yeah, when I, when I ended up uh, leaving the States, uh, uh, we've kind of, uh, gotten to a point in our, uh, in our lives where we wanted to kind of go separate ways. And after getting inspired to travel, uh, again, when I first went out, it wasn't only this one kid that inspired me, but I was talking to Australians that were saying like, yeah, we're out for two years, you know, it's like. I was like, how's that even possible? I was like, oh, we stay in hostels and stuff. It's like, you mean the movie? <laughs> As Americans, we only know the movie. But uh, but yeah, and so like this kind of inspired me to to go out. And that was, of course, where I met Steffi. And uh, we're now continuing where me and Matt left off, but uh, with kind of a, a new style that's, uh, that's, really, that's really cool, that's more of our own. And, uh, and now we're just focusing on original material. So it's, it's quite an exciting chapter. Yeah. Steffi, when you met Mark, I guess it's also like meeting the Chapman stick too. It sounds like it's, you know, it's part of the relationship, right? Yeah. <laughs> like how did you start? Were you a musician beforehand? Did you? Uh, that's the weird thing is I have absolutely no musical background. I never played an instrument before and it was never really on my mind. I always admired people that could play, but I never had the patience myself to actually sit down and learn an instrument. And in all out, I was, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the uh, ex exactly how it turned out, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in all honesty, I first just really fell in love with Mark, and it was great that he was a musician. But it was for me not about oh, I want to be a musician too. I was just wanted to spend time with Mark, and. I was at the time uh, staying in a hostel and I had a job on a blueberry farm picking blueberries. Didn't pay very well, so I really had to kind of squeeze every penny and try to save up so I could take some time off and travel a little bit. And again, I had like goals. Like I wanted to dive on the Great Barrier Reef, which is not exactly cheap. So I thought this job is definitely not going to make it very easy to save up. 
And Mark said to, you know, I'm moving so fast and I can work in every town when I just bring out the instrument. Um, me having like a fixed job was kind of just an obstacle. So he said, why don't you just come with me? And you can work for me. You can sell my CDs while I perform. And so I don't have to interrupt my songs when people ask about the CDs or the instruments. And so for a few weeks, I always had a little chair. I was sitting right next to him and I would talk to uh, the people and the customers as he was performing and even at the markets. Um, and after a while, it was I just felt like it was not enough because he paid me a little bit for that. But I always felt like the music sells itself and he really wanted to be with me, but I don't want to be paid for being his girlfriend. I don't know if that makes any sense. <laughs> so I said, I really admire what you want to do for me, but I just need to feel like I'm working for myself and not that he's my sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah, he really understands. And he said, well, um, he really wanted to give me a lesson on the Chapman stick. And um, I tried it out and slowly the idea started yeah this could actually be a long-term project but it's hard to commit when you're only together for two months and yeah after about six months i actually placed in the order for my own chapman stick which was quite the big step at the time but i, I kept at it i kept practicing but at the beginning it was still for me not so much about the music i always practiced a lot because i felt like i could impress him and then he'd be all proud of me it worked. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't until like actually two years into it. And I still remember the moment very vividly where I really felt like a musician. And like, yeah, this is my job. No, this is my passion. Is we recorded our first album together and we had the CD produced. But then we left to New Zealand. So we weren't even there when the finished product arrived at our parents' place. And they sent over a box. And when the box arrived in New Zealand, we opened it up. And I got out one of our CDs with a little picture on it. And really felt like, oh, wow, this is our recording. This is our CD, our album. It really all of a sudden felt so professional. Hit home. Yeah, it really hit home then. And ever since, I yeah, see myself as a very happy, passionate, full-time musician. Wow. It sounds like it, it did take a couple of years to sort of like really develop the passion for it. That's really pretty interesting. It yeah, was yeah. not planned the way that it came about. It, it really was, uh, we were kind of just, well, how do we stay together? Uh, how do we keep traveling together? How do we not have to go through a breakup, you know? And um, because I know my love for traveling, for playing music, uh, it, it doesn't lend itself to many other people's lives, uh, for sure. And I knew that uh, I was probably going to be facing a life of solitude. But after meeting Steffi, uh, uh, that was just the whole thing is like, well, how do we how do we keep this going? And when she did the first lesson with the Chapman stick, uh, she actually did better than I did, I uh, realized. And of course, with any instrument, it takes time. But I realized that if she was willing to take on the responsibility of learning an instrument and the discipline, then this could be an option for us. And now, you know, this many years later, it's uh, it's actually flourished into into its own thing entirely. But it was nothing that neither one of us could force each other to do. This was just really all very much organic. But uh, we were very lucky, very lucky. How do you maintain that discipline when you're on the road? Oh, oh, God. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Corona was actually a blessing for us. Uh, for a lot of musicians everywhere, this was, uh, this was the end all. But for us, we needed to slow down. We were in Hawaii when Corona actually. We were, we were took having place too much fun, and yeah, you're right. We While traveling, staying at hostels, it is really hard to maintain yeah, a disciplined routine with practice and all that. Actually, we had like a 
we call it like a practice streak at home here. And that immediately stopped once we got to Norway because we were hiking all day. We got back off the mountain at like 9 p.m., which the sun still doesn't go down, but we were just too tired. Um, <laughs> I don't want it to sound like we don't work because we do. Uh, but obviously, when traveling, when the routine is kind of a little bit chaotic, uh, we would have to really find time. And once we again, we uh, one technique was we booked a Airbnb in Hanoi and stayed there for a month and really worked out new songs. So this is the kind of way that we would practice before and uh, find time within our travel to slow down a little bit. But during the lockdowns, we really got in about four or five hours of practice a day and we really hunkered down. So for us, it was actually, we needed to take yeah. the time off. It was just always too tempting to go somewhere else. But, but when, we didn't, with the new when, when we didn't have a choice, that was actually exactly what we needed. We'll get back to the interview in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Recently, I went out for tacos, and it wasn't even Friday. Yes, we have Taco Friday in Norway, not Taco Tuesday. Well, more importantly, I could have earned rewards for every scrumptious bite of those chorizo soft shells. Introducing the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Earn four times points when you go out for dining or order takeout and restaurant delivery, including tacos. Plus, you can earn two times points when you shop for or order your groceries, two times points when you need to fill up or charge up at gas stations and EV charging stations. You're even rewarded with two times points just for your favorite streaming services. Go to usbank.com slash altitude. Go! To learn more about how you can earn 20,000 bonus points worth $200 if you spend $1,000 in the first 90 days of opening your account. Win big with the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. Visit usbank.com slash Altitude Go to apply. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. This episode of Zero to Travel is presented by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. From muddy jungle paths and snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder has the capability to take you to some of the most epic destinations on Earth. We're excited to partner with Nissan because our listeners know we love to celebrate the joy of exploring the world and finding the best off-the-beaten-path destinations to visit. And there's no better vehicle for that than the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys, and it even has the best towing capacity in its class, up to 6,000 pounds, so you can bring the fun with you. But Nissan also knows that it's not just about where you go. In a Pathfinder, the real fun comes from getting there, and that's something we love celebrating here on the Zero to Travel podcast. We believe that life is about finding that joy within the journey itself, and that's why we're thrilled to partner with Nissan to celebrate adventurers everywhere. So thanks again to Nissan for sponsoring this episode of Zero to Travel and for the reminder to chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures and enjoy the ride along the way. Learn more at NissanUSA.com. Now, back to the show. Well, I understand there's a, a part of your story, you know, all of the travel and the duo that you have formed with the Chapman stick duo. Some of that stuff, it sounds like it, it arose out of circumstance, of course, like you want to stay together. So you have to travel and, and that's how you can be together and avoid the visa thing. And okay, well, you know, we need to be able to take our jobs and you're a musician. So let's, let me teach you and all that stuff. But now there, there's another side of this, right? Like you guys play and make 
music together. That's a pretty intimate thing. What is making music together as a couple, like circumstance aside, kind of like past that now you guys are engaged and, but there's that whole other side of like what, what this may or may not do for your relationship. Can you speak to what music does for your relationship or playing together and creating it's together? Dean, uh, uh, I've never had a student before either. This is my first student. And uh, uh, so this was all very new experiences for me as well. And uh, to watch her grow throughout the years and to see the transitions happen was uh, enlightening. And, and now that we are able to play together almost on the same level, uh, we, we've been doing it so long. It's like we're breathing together when we're doing music. And uh, it, it makes the whole relationship incredible i mean it, the whole relationship has grown with the music and so it's it's an extension of it for sure and i Definitely. feel like mark and me really are almost the same person we are so much alike um we we both suffer from getting really grumpy when we're low blood sugared so it's <laughs> we're just so much alike and, and so, when you live in a, a caddy you know mm -hmm. caddy van uh, the, you're in very close proximity but all the we time we really so. don't have many arguments because it feels like if I disagree with him. It's almost like I disagree with myself in some way. And so any kind of band decisions or any like, what do you want to do? Do you want to play this song or this song? We're always just so organic. And usually he says, okay, let's play this song. And I'm like, I was just going to say that. And that it's happens so chill. often. So everything is always mm -hmm. very easy going with us. Yeah. And, but we, we also know other couples that are musicians. They are good friends of ours. And, they're just very different people and they clash a lot. They argue a lot over little decisions and little things. They make uh, breaks. And they, they always take breaks from one another too. They work like the summer season together in one place, but then for the winter they go separate places and take a break from one another. Um, and no, I, I can't be a few hours without it. <laughs> we, we've got to... <laughs> For better or for worse, we always we've got to be uh, together. But uh, but yeah, I mean that's it. Said it's you, you learn a lot about people when you travel with them, and uh, within about two three weeks, you know if you're compatible with somebody, whether it's a friend or somebody that you're connected with deeper. Yeah. If you drive through the Australian desert without a shower for two weeks, if your relationship can withstand that then there's almost no surprises anymore. There's food poisoning with uh, both ends going wild. And no toilet around. <laughs> yes. we, we've yeah. been there too. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing those how travel tests. together will pack all those experiences in in a short amount of time. And then you really do get to know that person on a, on a different level much more quickly than you would if you yes. kind of lived a traditional <laughs> life where you were, oh, let's go on a date this week. And, you know, like it's like a year of dating happens in like – a week and a half. <laughs> oh, yeah, without question. <laughs> I wanted to hear a bit more about the busking experience. You guys have been so many different places playing music and a musician's job in, in many ways is to travel around and play music, but it sounds like the travel also came first for you in many ways, or now maybe a few markets a bit intertwined, but at least for Steffi, it came first, but yet clearly you guys have a love and a passion for travel. And it sounds like these two things, you know, I think some artists take it to a point where they, they just, you know, they don't want to travel, but it's like, Oh, I got to go on tour now. And it sounds like for you guys, this is just, this is the way you live. This is your lifestyle. Uh, is that right? Yes. Uh, this is our job. It's our life and, uh, it's completely custom made. Uh, but, but yes, I understand uh, a lot of musicians, this is the only way to make money is to be on the road, is to have dates set and to really do the grind. Uh, I know a lot of these musicians personally, and uh, 
it, it doesn't sound as much fun. Uh, they always say, you know, can we switch lives? Because <laughs> it, it doesn't like, feel like that for you. Yeah, it, it's it doesn't have to. I, I because of what we do and. Uh, it, it lends itself very nicely to street performing. Well, it's well, not you've very you've already intrusive. been there too. So you've seen both sides. You've done the weddings, yep. you've done the shows, you've done the markets. I, I, I did it back in uh, the United States. Uh, again, it's not a very common thing to do street performing back home. And uh, we tried out many different techniques but uh, in Texas, uh, including weddings and parties. But in the end, what worked the best was festivals. We would play an arts festival for sometimes eight hours a day and sell our CDs, our self-produced CDs. And more often than not, we would pay to play there. Uh, and so we would be uh, just like the next booth that would be selling their art. But instead, we'd be selling our self-produced albums. And believe it or not, uh, it was very lucrative. Uh, we filled our calendar up with many of these. And uh, we did quite well, quite well for uh, uh, the time that we had there. But then when I got to... Uh, Europe and to other places, I realized that uh, busking is the same thing. It's just you're choosing your own times to perform. But there's many areas where it's like a festival every day. Uh, It's just the city centers are so bustling. They have more uh, walking streets. And it's just ideal for this, uh, for the style. And what it allows you to do is complete freedom. You can play whenever you want. uh, And uh, it's also a wonderful way to connect with the people uh, in in the place that you're traveling to. I I can't tell you how many people that we've met uh, and connected with just through busking that say, come on over, let me show you around my town. Let me uh, uh, take you out for a coffee. Uh, Actually, that was the only time that we ate out in Norway was uh, we met a fan on Facebook that uh, his name was Doug and uh, uh, he's from uh, Arizona. And he took us out for the most expensive meals that we've ever eaten <laughs> in our <laughs> lives. And I said, Steffi is like, oh, my God. Uh, uh, feels so bad. It's so expensive. <laughs> so bad. It's so wrong. But he's retired, of course. And he's like, no, I want to I want to treat you guys. And end up, mm-hmm. we just had the best conversations. He was he's a really incredible person. And, uh, and, but, yeah, this is this is kind of what the instrument has opened up on the travels and so it's it's more or less a part of it but it's also yes how we completely sustain ourselves i i really like how it always seems to catch people by surprise sometimes we have people say you guys shouldn't be playing in the streets you should be playing on the stage and we're like oh no 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 we, we choose to be here like we really want to it's it's just so much fun and yeah there's sometimes the sweetest experiences where people just come up and say you just really made my day i was oh, in yeah. such a rush or such a bad mood but your music just really like on the way to work really brought me out out of it and it's just little things like that that really are just worth it and different countries react different to street performing but that's why we can't wait to go back to vietnam in three weeks is the vietnamese are just so amazing when it comes to street performing the first time we played there i feel like they're not really used to it and so like they start to watch for a second and then some of them would go away and then they come back with a six pack and they sit down and they listen for two hours it's like a they'll, concert they'll listen until you stop they will they'll make it it'll be a concert in the street which is quite unusual it's something you don't get everywhere it's the reactions yeah and then they want to come up and they want to take pictures with us it just feels so so great oh it's yeah. beautiful what kind of insights can you get or have you gotten from the crowd in terms of like, does, does the crowd or the sort of interactions when you're busking 
teach you about the culture that you're in in a different way that you you can't learn from other means of travel or maybe it's more difficult uh, it seems like there are a lot of interactions going on of course every crowd has a different vibe i know going to a concert in norway is a lot different than going to a concert in america i'm just wondering because you guys are playing out on the street you're like with the people i'm wondering how much of, of that you're able to kind of soak in how much that tells you about a, a culture well it's it's wonderful because uh you're completely connected to your listener and your listeners are the people of the country that you're visiting. And so it's not only just performing, uh, we're talking with them, we're explaining them about the instrument and uh, we're having conversations all all day. And uh, and usually, yeah, you kind of make friends from that. So so yes, it's, uh, mm. uh, it is a deeper connection. And for being an artist, uh, it, it's absolutely vital to be that connected to your, mm. uh, to your customers and to your uh, listeners as to be performing right in front of them. There's no middleman as a busker. There's no, you know, uh, I have to go through this bar in order to connect, or I have to go through this venue in order to connect. Uh, you are directly in front of the, your listener, and there's nothing better than that. Because let's face it, uh, not every single one, but uh, I've had bar owners come up to me and it's like, you sound incredible, but you're not from here. So you probably don't have friends and family that are going to come see you. So yeah, the drink sales wouldn't be good, so I can't hire you. So you learn quickly what the music industry is about. And the, what, what are some of your favorite places that you've played, like streets oh, or whatever, countries? Uh, uh, I got to say Hanoi uh, and Wan Kim Lake. Uh, the capital of Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, there's a particular street that gets shut down from Friday to Sunday for foot traffic, and it's quite a large street. And uh that is an incredibly fun place to perform. It's, it's like a festival every weekend, and there's so many different artists that come out and they play games in the streets and, do and tug of war and karaoke. And so we, we usually go there every weekend just to be performing and to enjoy the experience. And that's usually when we get down to business too, because uh, during the week we can uh, focus on music and practice, and then uh, during the weekend we can go out and work. But also, I think Queenstown, New Zealand, is one of our favorite places to oh. play. It's just everything is so laid back. Germany has some really good places, but I feel I'm allowed to say it: Germans are very much by the books, it's and technically amplification is not legal in the whole country. We do it anyways because the question is whether it's being enforced or not. And we found a few places where the police just clearly doesn't see a problem with us. Even though we're amplified, they don't enforce the law. But in most places in Germany, they do. And they say, sorry, you guys, what you do is beautiful, but amplifiers are not allowed. I have to ask you to leave. Um, in Norway, we, for example, didn't have a problem at all. I felt the Norwegians were so laid back and they all loved it. And we had great experiences busking. But whenever we set up in a new town in Germany, always kind of looking around, like, okay, when are they going to come and tell us to leave? Because about, I think, eight out of 10 times they do <laughs> in Germany. Every country is different, uh, for sure. There's, uh, there's other countries where people are not receptive to street performing at all where um, maybe it's even like a little bit looked down or like, oh, you're playing on the street, you must not be that good. Or, um, it, But it really depends on the place. Depends um, on the place, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah. Well, we're, we're going to link to your website uh, in the show notes. So if people want to see some of the videos from around the world, you have a whole travels section you can click on and you can see you guys playing in I mean, places like what I'm just looking right now, the Black Forest, a road trip in Spain, busking in Santiago. Really cool. The craft of music and songwriting, how does travel 
inspire your songwriting? Well, um, it's just, it's when you get a moment. <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, uh, some, for, for me, songwriting, uh, I love it when things just pop out, when uh, an idea just kind of just comes out and then you can kind of build on that. Uh, but it, it comes in so many different ways. It's, uh, it's never really like, okay, I'm going to start writing a song right now. It's always like, uh, I wonder how this, you know, wonder, you know, fiddling around with a little lick or something like that can lead into many different possibilities. I think the most unique time though, that I wrote a song, uh, I was actually, uh, sleeping and I had a dream, uh, uh, in the dream, I was going to a busking spot, and uh, there was another musician there. And he said, "Yeah, I'm going to be four hours." I said, four hours, oh man! And so I was walking away. He brought out a Chapman stick, uh, and he started playing a melody. And I just remember walking away. I was like, "Man, this guy's good." And uh, then he had a whole band that came in with him. I was like, "Damn, that's an awesome melody." And so anyway, I woke up and I was like, "Man, I'm going to steal that melody from." Him. <laughs> so I go up, I run up into the top room, and uh, and for me, it was five in the morning i wake up to him playing and i'm like what the hell like, <laughs> <laughs> no anyway i wrote a whole song and i called it dream catcher and uh it actually yeah. uh, that's on our new cd uh it actually worked out quite well but but yeah that main melody uh that uh that is on the verse uh, that was uh that was what uh, i heard in my dream and i just kind of built from there uh and it, it turned into a really cool composition in the end but, uh, but yeah, that was, I think, the most interesting time. Of, but also yeah, your, your trip to Ireland really got you yeah. into the Celtic music. Yeah. I mean, every single bar in Ireland that always has music playing, it's, uh, it's a wonderful music culture. And that's the music I connect with the most. That's what I love. And usually when I write, uh, it, it always comes out. Uh, it's always a bit of the, you know, the blues background or, or the Celtic. And so that's usually the styles that, uh, yeah. that flourish on it. Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting some inspiration from just hearing music in different countries and their own musical culture, and and I'm sure that works its way into into some of your compositions. It's cool that you guys have planted thirty two thousand four hundred trees with your music. Can you talk <laughs> about that? Uh, that was uh, I think that's, that step is uh, yeah. well, she got it started well, on that. I was yeah. saying earlier, I was in Australia on my gap year and about to go after one year back home to university and study. And I wanted to study environmental protection. That's just ever since a child been a passion of mine. I love nature shows. And whenever I see uh, somebody like chasing a whale and like tracking it with the GPS tracker so they can study their migration routes, I always thought as a child, I could be that person. I could be that person on the boat. And I always just felt really connected to the environment and always felt like I wanted to do my part. And that was the one thing I always felt just a little bit in the back of my head. I was giving up by choosing music as a, as a new career choice. And <laughs> actually happened upon this, it was just last year. And in the lockdowns in Germany, I was just scrolling through my social media and just some ad popped up of a new start, um, startup company from Hamburg, from Germany. It's a condom producing company. And relief. Relief <laughs> is what they're called. And they're advertised for each condom they sell, they plant a tree. So they say, yeah, have some fun, do something good for the environment. And I just thought that was hilarious. And I was like, hey, Mark, check this out. And Mark just looked at me and said, you always wanted to do something like this. If they can plant trees selling a product, then we can too, because we are selling a product as well. So I actually got in touch with that company and I was emailing the CEO and 
just ask more about the project and said, yeah, they are chose a reforestation organization from California called Eden Reforestation Projects as a uh, tree planting partner. And for every condom they sell, they would donate to the reforestation organization um, to plant trees in certain countries. And then we got in touch with Eden Reforestation and we said, we are selling CDs. We would like to do something similar. And yeah, we set it all up. And they have project sites in eight different countries, mostly uh, third world countries and Africa, Asia and South America. Um, yeah. And so every month we count up how many CDs or downloads of our music we sold and we donate our portion to them and they plant the trees. Uh, it's a quite new project. We started in April of last year. And so uh, uh, it's been a, a bit over a year now, but uh but it's always exciting because now it's not uh, only when we go out busking. It's like, uh, how much do we make? But how many trees do we plant? And so it's kind of a different uh, mentality and uh, and a really almost a personal goal now. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's, that's our compromise. So, uh, so you can still do environmental uh, work as well as doing music. I love it. And it's another thing that can get you out the door maybe when you don't necessarily feel like being on a, a cold, rainy street that, that particular mm -hmm. day. Right. <laughs> Another motivating force, if you will. No, I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you, you don't certainly have to make that as a part of your project, but anyway, I'm just applauding you guys for. It's definitely more just uh, one of our personal projects. We thought at the beginning, Hey, it may also be great advertisement, but I think in the end people buy the music because they want to buy the music. Um, so it's just our, our personal little project. Yeah, it's something cool as well. Mm -hmm. Hopefully it, it can inspire people to contribute themselves. I've already heard uh, musicians that uh, kind of see that what we're doing. They're like, hey, you know, uh, can you uh, send me a little information about these guys? You know, uh, I was thinking maybe I could do it too. And so mm -hmm. uh, hopefully yeah. it'll be a trend that we see more. We're, um, we were thinking like if two little street performers can do something like this and maybe some big business maybe i don't know maybe they get a little inspired by that who knows mm -hmm. yeah yeah That's sure i mean you got inspired by the condom company and then <laughs> oh yeah i was still use them full time <laughs> you know i love i love these interviews because i get to know incredible people like yourselves and also I, I never can predict some words that will come up like I, I didn't think the word condom would come up in this conversation well there you go well you really gave us nothing to go off of like to prepare so who knew <laughs> yeah uh, completely uncensored <laughs> I know some people struggle with uh, embracing uh, an identity of an artist, right? And, and I'm just curious for either of you, you know, imposter syndrome is a real thing for every business and profession. I, I feel like that, this idea that maybe you don't feel you're good enough or you're expert enough to do this, that, and the other. It's a different kind of career. I think we can agree that a lot of Western culture, sort of the, uh, I'm using air quotes, the acceptable path would be more maybe like working for a company or, you know, doing a nine to five type of thing. So to choose the path of an artist is, is a different, it's, it's just a different profession. But it, in some cases, I feel like it's a lot harder because maybe people don't have the support or it could be just, maybe they have the support, but they don't have the, the confidence or the, there's maybe an internal struggle to just kind of embrace that as like, Hey, I am an artist. This is who I am. This is, this is what I do. Can you, can you just, share some advice or just talk about your own personal journey, maybe through that? Definitely. Uh, I mean, it, it really is hard. I, I got to admit, the conventional methods that artists have to go through, 
in order to in order to make a living, which let's face it, it's very important to live off of your music uh, or uh, off of your art in general. But uh, speaking from a musician standpoint, it's not easy. Uh, I would recommend, uh, of course, number one, uh, Spotify is a very uh, used platform as well as a lot of other streaming platforms. But as always, the musician's kind of the last person to get paid. Uh, in the end. And using these conventional methods can be very damaging uh, to musicians. And I know it's, of course, wonderful products. And uh, the idea of renting music uh, is definitely, instead of buying, is definitely a wonderful idea. But um, but it, le- it doesn't leave much room to the musicians. There's definitely a lot of money being made uh, from these subscriptions, but it, it doesn't really get passed along, unfortunately. And that's why... Uh, uh, we sell everything directly, so there's no middleman in between uh, us and our music. And I think that's been very crucial in order to to make it as a musician. Uh, but if you can financially make it, then you can feel confident in calling yourself uh, a musician. I think that's a lot of struggle that many musicians have. So I, I believe methods, um, the methods for that are to not go the conventional methods you know the conventional way of yes you you need to go put in your time do the bar shows do this or do that and granted every musician is different uh but it's it's very it's much harder if you i found uh in my own experience if you do the more structured conventional method that everybody says to go on to be a musician it's much better to find your own way because there is definitely uh there is definitely a a place there for you but but yeah usually it's difficult uh it's what everybody's telling you is usually not correct and uh there are people making money out there but it's very unlikely to uh uh to be able to survive off of it uh for a lot of us for a lot of the independent artists hmm. Steffi, how about your journey to becoming a to embracing your yourself as an artist, as a musician. Um, yeah, you were mentioning um, earlier, yeah, be doing something that is so out of the box, um, um, not doing like what everybody else does. Uh, definitely is. Um, I told earlier well, when when I called up my parents, and I mean, you got to imagine too from a parent's point of view. I mean, you're a dad. <laughs> Just imagine your 19 year old daughter calls from Australia, says, "Mom, Dad, I met an American musician." By the way, I'm not coming home to study. I'll be a musician myself now. I've, I think it's just a normal reaction of a parent to be a little worried and skeptical first. Like, who is this guy? Uh, what kind of music? And first of all, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, but they were, of course, very skeptical first. And at the beginning, not they were not like not supporting me, but they were also not very happy with my decision at the point, which makes just perfect sense. But the year later, when I did come home, I just brought Mark with me and I got a chance to meet him. They got to see that yeah, he is a professional and that he's a really, really nice guy. My dad actually gave him a hug and said, yeah, thank you for taking care of my daughter for so long. So that was really That's sweet. Quite... Um, after they were still for the first year, always trying to convince me. So what about university? What about maybe learning a trade, get a, get a like secure job, a fixed income every month? Um, I, I think that's just normal because, yeah, 
I really was a naive 19 year old and wanted to be a musician. And I think it's really hard to be taken seriously at this age, especially from parents and even friends were very skeptical. It's like, yeah, I just want to continue travel, having fun. But questions like, what about the future? How do you pay your health insurance? What about retirement? How will you ever support a family? Those are all questions I didn't even want to ask myself at the time. But eventually you got to just confront yourself with it and I got to say, setting up, like actually making this a business with uh, tax registration and with insurance and all that makes me also just feel much more like this is a profession because I felt like I had to convince myself too, not just the others, but myself. When you have this, this much fun. It's... That this can be a career. That when you're having this much fun, it feels like, I don't know if this is a job. It's like, I'm not it allowed like to work. be having fun at my job. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't feel like work, but... That's actually where I really got the support from my mom, especially as we had a, a show at a festival in my town and the show was on, like we were on stage for only about 45 minutes, but we had a little booth with our albums and I just asked my mom if she could come and talk to the people, uh, answer their questions while we were on stage and sell our CDs um, and at the end, she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I sold like 30 copies of your music. I was like, Mom, I told you for years that this is working well. And she's like, well, yeah, I just didn't know how well it was working. And, <laughs> and she said, yeah, it was so happy. Like she got to meet so many people that evening. She got to talk to strangers and about and everybody, of course, said how great her music was. And she said she was just so proud. It's a, fun, um, it's a fun business. Yeah, so I think that when I started to include her a little bit more on what we did, and now I really got her full support, and she is really coming through for us too. She always helps us out when we need a little help. Um, like um, when we were traveling and we ran out of envelopes and we have online orders of CDs, so I just asked my mom if she could just go ahead and send out a few CDs for us, and she doesn't hesitate to help us out with that. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Hey, your mom sounds awesome. <laughs> you know, it helps when you got the free the free merch lady coming in, right? Like we're not gonna pay you, just come over here and uh, no. But I think it's uh, it could be uh, almost a a bit of a piece of advice for some people listening, maybe in some of those situations where they're they're not getting the support, or I don't, it doesn't sound like you weren't totally getting the support, but like you said, they were skeptical. Their parents maybe a little pushback and 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 planting some seeds of hey, maybe you know, might be good to do a trade and, and some of the other things they were saying. But if somebody's listening and they, you know, they, they're they getting that, perhaps just getting that parent or that person involved in what you're doing really brings it to life. I mean, it sounds like that, that like sort of, it was conceptual to your mother before she actually went out and was a part of the show and interacted with the people and saw and, and experienced it, right? And then it, it became like more of a real thing for her. And, and also what she really told me like a few years later uh, when that conversation came up, yeah, how at the beginning, how yeah, they tried to, or she tried to convince me maybe to find a career choice that's a little more secure and a little more stable. Um, she did say, well, you would have not enjoyed it either if I would just say, yeah, go ahead, do what you do. I don't care. Like her being skeptical in the beginning just really shows that she loves me a lot and that she just wants the best for me. And I think other people that want to travel that get that side like it's not um anything personal actually it's just a sign of love from their parents and they just always want to watch out for you and they're just um a little worried on that your choices might lead you in the near future into some trouble and i think to keep that in mind like i wasn't upset with my parents for at the beginning not showing me full support i i, I think it would be weird if they did 
to something to an idea that is so crazy and so far out there. Um, right. Sure. Run off with the Chapman stick guy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most important thing is to show financial stability. And then they're like, okay, you know, he hasn't asked me for money. And I, last time I asked my parents, I was 19 and it was the last time ever because uh, my dad made me work off the cash at his ranch. And I was still the hardest money I ever had to work for. So <laughs> <laughs> Savings is very important. Yeah, that is, that <laughs> is one thing Mark like told me from the very beginning is um, savings. And mm -hmm. It's like you never know. Maybe one of these days there'll be a time where you can't work for a whole year. And I was thinking, what possible scenario could that be? And then a pandemic happened. It's like <laughs> you started at a really great time. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bad timing. But again, we still had the savings. We were actually able to um, not have to ask our parents for money even during this time and i think that is a very big step is yeah try to make sure you're financially okay mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and i mean one thing you also did is is even though you were getting that messaging you still stuck to what you were doing and that's not always easy right when you're getting the pressure from certain people and to do this that and the other you can start to question yourself but it sounds like you you really just stayed true to to living the life you were loving and enjoying and just following that path. And I feel like sometimes, you know, the organic path, although in theory should be the easiest one to follow, right? It's kind of like, well, this is just happening and I'm going to go with this, but it's it, in some ways it's the hardest because you get all this external messaging that uh, tells you what you're supposed to do. And, you know, maybe what we're all really supposed to do is just what we're organically supposed to do, whatever that means. That's kind of hard that's where like your intuition and, and sort of some of that stuff comes into play. And that's really hard to speak on and to measure and to, it's hard to do those gut checks and, and make those decisions in that way. It is. Uh, I think everybody has a little bit of pressure coming from uh, one side of life or the other. Uh, sometimes it's yourself, sometimes it's your family, but uh, in the end, the, the gut feelings, if you follow them, they'll always lead you to the right place. And I think for a lot of people, uh, to have that freedom uh, is really life. That's where that's where life happens is in between those moments. But uh, but yeah, we'll get back to the interview in just a moment. Would you love to have an incredible cup of coffee every day? I've tried it all. I've done the pour over. I've done the French press, but I tasted an AeroPress coffee many years ago, and immediately I was sold. I had to get one. AeroPress is a patented three-in-one brew technology. This combines the flavor benefits of espresso, pour-over, and French press all into one compact portable device built for travel or home. I love things you can use in both places. This device has over 55,000 five-star reviews in over 60 countries. AeroPress is the best-reviewed coffee press on the planet. I've owned one for so many years, I don't even remember how long it's been. And they are under 50 bucks so they also make an exceptional gift, thoughtful, proven, tasty, and travel-oriented. Who wouldn't love that? Now, you get 20% off just for being a listener of this show at aeropress.com slash zero to travel. That's aeropress, A-E-R-O-P-R-E-S-S dot com slash zero to travel. That will save you 20% on checkout. Thanks to Aeropress for supporting today's show. Hey, it's Jason here. Did you know you are invited to join the first ever Zero to Travel community trip? 
Yes, we're planning a trip together. We're headed to Morocco November 30th through December 9th. And you can get all the details at zerototravel.com slash trip. It's open for booking now. We have 13 spots left at the time of this recording. And you have until the end of March to book. So if you're interested in traveling with an amazing community, this community, a small group of people on an incredible journey through Morocco together with me, Sign up over there at zerototravel.com slash trip to get all the details. Thanks for listening and hope to see you there. Now, back to the show. Backpacking, I just want to talk about some destinations for backpacking or, you know, but I guess budget travel or just travel in general. I mean, you mentioned some of the places you like to play and some of the places you like to visit, the music experience, but are there other places that you just... Uh, just from a travel, purely travel perspective, you love to go or you've oh, gone yeah. that you would recommend That's to other people? That's definitely Southeast Asia. That's where we're going. Oh, yeah, okay, so far, yeah. we found that one place where we actually do quite well, and that's uh, Hanoi in Vietnam. But the other places, we will still be playing, but I think it will be mostly for fun, like maybe bring out the Chapman stick in the hostel. We, we don't always do it for money, yeah. for sure. Uh, there's many uh, situations where... Uh, where it's, you don't always have a place to busk, but uh, uh, for instance, in Cambodia, I would just bring in the instrument and uh, just ask, would you like to hear some music? And more often than not, they should, yeah, go ahead. And after the performance, sometimes they come up and say, well, it sounds great. Come back tomorrow night. Uh, would you like a place to stay? Uh, would you like some beer? So, well, of course, I would love that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a different experience every time. And uh and every country is going to be a little uh, different on how to do it. But yeah, it's very diverse. I mean, uh, but yeah, Southeast Asia is very easy to travel. Uh, I, we love staying in hostels uh, because obviously, you know, you're never alone when you're in a hostel. Uh, you, uh, we've met some incredible friends uh, there that uh, long lasting friendships. And it's just a wonderful way to travel. So that's what we'll be entering back into. We'll be leaving the van life here in Europe and going back to the hostel life for six months uh, through this winter. Oh, have you been living in the van in, in Europe? So, yeah, in Europe, uh, we built out an old post car from Austria. Uh, it's a tiny um, uh, Caddy Maxi. It's a very miniature uh, van, but it, it has great gas mileage. It came in handy in uh, Norway. Uh, but, yeah, we built that out over the pandemic. And, um, and yeah, we, we use that to travel all around Europe. Yeah. So. so in Europe, we don't pay anything for accommodation. We have our home with us. But yeah, in Asia, we'll go back into the hostels. So we kinda, it's a nice balance. It's like we now lived in the van like almost a whole year, and now we can't wait to have the hostels. But I think after the hostels for six months, we can't wait to have our van again. Do you think living in the van and traveling through Europe that way is kind of like one of the best ways to do Europe? Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. definitely. It, it's very hard to do so for someone that's uh, coming on a tourist visa because 90 days is not that much. And more often than not, uh, uh, to buy a van, uh, you have to have an address. Uh, you have to have it registered. It's not as easy as Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Are there workarounds for that or not really? Oh, they, uh, we haven't looked into it too much. Most people that we know... Uh, uh, they built out their own vans. Uh, renting them is always expensive. And so uh, it's always, but uh, for those who are looking to try the van life experience, New Zealand and Australia are much easier to get started. And of course, the one-year working visas that they have out there for farm picking uh, are very easy to acquire. 
And so uh, I, I believe in New Zealand, all you have to do to transfer a van in your name is go to the post office and pay $7 and uh, 7 or $12. And then uh, it's all on the computer. I, I think I came in with a halfway filled out form and they said, oh, don't worry, it's all on the computer. It's like, Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta move here. <laughs> it's so simple. But for those who are looking to try it, those are wonderful places. There's a lot of backpackers that are always coming and going, buying and selling vans that are built out already. And uh, so it's a wonderful place if you wanted to get a, a taste of that lifestyle. Can I ask you how much the whole building out of the van and, and the van and everything okay. cost roughly? Uh, well, we we bought the van itself. It was just an empty shell for five thousand eight hundred euros, and then the entire build out, like including everything, like we have solar on the roof, we have two big batteries with it, and that was maybe just another thousand five hundred euros on top of it. So it's definitely a very small little budget camper camper van, but we, we like it that way because we usually perform in city centers and parking in Europe can be a nightmare in these small towns and small streets. So we wanted to make sure that we have the clearance to fit in any underground parking garage or any possible parking lot. So it's definitely a very small van. In, in Europe, uh, smaller is better. Uh, the smaller you are with the van, the more freedom you have and the more you're going to be able to see. Because uh, Europe is not just about the nature, it's also about the cities and about the architecture. And uh, you want to be able to go in the middle of Prague or downtown Munich or, yeah, on a, on a fjord uh, in Norway. So it, it, yeah. you, you want the diversity for sure. What are some of your most used, your favorite travel resources, stuff that you use all the time, the kind of just logistic stuff or any, anything really? that you want to share that you really love to use on the road? Apps, travel res- Oh, apps. Yeah, oh, apps, yeah. websites, anything like that. Uh, I, for flights mm-hmm. and everything, we usually use Skyscanner. Um, that's, uh, that's usually the go-to or Google Flights. Um, but uh, I think for Europe, for travel, the most important one is Park for Night. Uh, I, I think that's a very common one uh, that's used. And uh, unfortunately, we haven't found a better one. Park In, for um, Night? Park for Night. Uh, in America, there's iOverlander. That one's quite good. Uh, that will uh, give you very detailed in, in Australia, New Zealand is an app called CamperMate. That's that shows That's oh, the best. Yeah. It shows you anything that a backpacker would need. Wi-Fi, water, public toilets, yeah, free campsites, and, paid campsites, all that. What's that Park one called? Uh, CamperMate. CamperMate. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the park for night usually is just for parking, not campsites, but just parking. But it usually shows you on how much the parking is, if it costs at all. And yeah, people can write comments. That sometimes comes in handy. Like we were at some campsites where there was broken car glass and the comments said, yeah, don't stay here. Like I got broken into while I was in my van yeah. and robbed and nobody came to help. And we're like, uh, I think we're going to go to the next one. <laughs> really? Like you were in the van and somebody no, was... No, it was not us. That, that was this a was a comment that we... that we were reading while we were in a campsite. And we we're like, okay, next leave. one. Yeah. And then we looked at the date on it. It was like two days prior. Or so. uh, this can really come in handy on the road. And uh, it can save you, uh, mm-hmm. save you a lot of yeah. heartache. But other than that, we use Google Maps for almost finding out anything. Post offices, Wi-Fi, yeah. um, almost anything we use Google Maps for. And for booking accommodations or saving money or any tips that you guys want to share there? Uh, we actually, uh, when we do use hostels, we'll uh, 
we'll use Hostel World to do the research on which one we want to stay at. Go with we'll, the ones with the good ratings. Uh, but we'll usually book it through another source because they add their fees. But yeah, you know, little tricks that you kind of figure out. Sometimes the uh, we try to find a hostel on Hostel World, but then we try to call it up like directly and ask like the price when you book it over the phone or in person. The weird thing in a lot of places in Asia is it's actually cheaper to go through a third party like Booking.com or Hostel World than well, it is to book directly. Or Agoda. Or Agoda, yeah. yeah. So we just like ask for both options and then we choose whichever costs less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. I just wanted to get some practical advice. I've been doing this for a <laughs> while, so super helpful stuff. Uh, what really comes in handy for Europe, I have an app uh, called Public Toilets. Because yeah, where are public toilets? Oh, here? really? Okay, oh, cool. Because yeah. yeah, I'm always complaining that there's no toilets to go no toilets. Every American does. Oh yeah. And I, I hate the fact that sometimes they cost fifty cents. Like, why? <laughs> sh- like, is is a normal bodily human cents. function? Like, some place costs like, like four dollars here. I'm like, no, in, in Norway, Norway that, was, that was crazy. Uh, yeah, we we really. Um, uh, we really go our extra mile to try to find a, pre, a free bathroom. Like that's, that's very important for us. <laughs> Literally go the extra mile to find a free yeah, bathroom. That's right. I mean, it's, it's funny cause I just found like a new a one in Oslo the other day and I just bookmarked it in my head. I was like, Oh, this is good. Absolutely. Even right if I here. see a portal potty on the side of the road, I'm like, Steffi toilet free one. <laughs> yeah. That's why another advice construction sites usually always have portal potties. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. Just sneak in, sneak out. <laughs> Probably not the best advice, yeah. but uh, or if worst yeah. comes to worst, always be friendly with a smile. Walk inside a restaurant and politely ask, "Can I please use your bathroom?" And <laughs> nobody will ever say no. So, well, they sometimes do, but it's uh, usually they don't care. And uh, just get up the courage to go in and ask politely, and usually they'll always let you use the bathroom. So that's that's our go-to in the cities for sure. Yeah, like never be afraid to ask anything. Mm-hmm. Do y'all have a favorite quote or a, just a, a saying or something you think about that's a bit of a mantra for you or anything like that? Mm, my favorite is don't trade time for money. <laughs> I actually don't know who said it or anything like that, but this is a phrase that always sticks with me. And uh, every time that it comes to uh, to any big decisions in life uh, or taking a show or something like that, it's like, do something because you love it. Don't do, don't trade time for money. <laughs> That's a very good thing uh, to remember, I think. I don't know if I have one. Okay. But for a while, we always kept saying, what would Jonathan do? Because oh. we, we met this, we were in Croatia last year and we were just camping out and we were already with two other backpackers sitting in our van. I got to say again, it's a tiny, tiny little van. We managed to fit four people in the couch in the back because it was really cold outside. And then there's like 19-year-old kid on a bicycle just walks up and just looks in our van and said, looks cozy. Can you scooch? Can I fit in? Just out of nowhere. And I just loved his confidence and courage. We're like, yeah, sure. Come on in. Come on in. And yeah, he attached his tent with a bicycle to our tires because it was so windy outside. And we actually hang out with him for a few days. And he was uh, just this 19-year-old biking from Germany to Israel, and he was dumpster diving for food. He was just so charismatic confident. and confident. Mm. And I felt sometimes being um, in Germany, like I feel everything is a little more tight and a little more by the books. Um, I, I start to slip back into that uh, from time to time, but that kid kind of just reminded me on, yeah, you, you don't have to be afraid to ask people and to be polite and 
like right before he left, we asked if he needed some water and he said, no, I'm just going to ask in a restaurant to fill up my bottles. It's like, well, yeah, of course, why not? And, <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, that's cool. So, so I kind of remind myself, yeah, what would Jonathan what do? Yeah, what would Jonathan what do? Would Jonathan do? <laughs> Anytime yeah. there's a I moment, it's like, should we party? What would Jonathan do? Of course he would party. Jonathan, if you're listening, we got to get you on the podcast, man. (laughs) He was biking uh, all the way down to Israel. So I bet he has some interesting stories to tell for sure. That's a great example of just kind of putting yourself out there. And you guys ended up hanging out for multiple days. And, you know, that wouldn't happen if you don't put yourself out there. So it's, yeah, to, uh, to just uh, his confidence to just walk up to us like a bunch of strangers and ask if he could warm himself up in our van when we were already like clearly crammed in there, the four of us. Like, of course. I, I just love that. Yeah, just like not being afraid of people and just being a, a people's person. I, yeah. I really like that. Most people would be like, I don't want to inconvenience these people. They're already jam-packed in there. Like, so yeah. Good, yeah. You know? <laughs> I was like, oh, I hope I don't upset anybody. <laughs> oh, we love to be bothered. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't you guys let everybody know where they can find all the goodies and anything you want to mention here new albums no and worries whatnot. yeah we have uh i think a total of seven or eight albums now mm-hmm. <laughs> all available on our website our website is markwhitelive.com we do cd mail outs as well as di- digital downloads and uh yeah if you want to check out our music uh feel free to visit the website on the website you can sample every song of every album and really get an idea on what the cds are about they're yeah, all yeah. in different themes like romantic classic rock but our favorite is there from the celtic and our original material and the last albums that we came out with were rising tide and new beginning and of course every album plants five trees so uh, if you guys want to contribute to the cause as well uh best way is just to grab some music but um, if you want to follow our travels on social media, um, we are under Mar- uh, no. we are under Cascade Melodies. Yeah, all small together, Cascade Melodies. That's our uh, our YouTube channel, Instagram, Facebook, whatever you want to follow us on. Mm-hmm. I just followed Cascade Melodies on Instagram, so look forward to keeping in touch with you guys and. I wanted to play one of your songs on on the way out of this show later. If you can send me one, uh, maybe you can just tell me which one we can hear and tell us a little bit about it. No problem. Um, Which song do you think? You know, uh, we can play maybe one of the new ones. Uh, You guys will dig it. Uh, 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 How about the one we were talking about, Dreamcatcher? This is the one that, of course, I wrote uh, in the dream that I had. Uh, I think that would be a really really cool kind of thing to show so uh so yeah we'll uh we'll go ahead and send that one over to you and uh yeah, you can go ahead and put it on the end cool we'll, we'll play that play the show out with, with that with that track and i mean you know part of the show i guess one of the themes is you know we all want to help each other catch our own version of our whatever dreams are right so uh and it's just been so cool to get to know you both and see how you've been able to kind of catch your own dreams and create your own life doing something you love and do it together and find the ways around some of the tough parts of the music industry and find the ways around you know not being able to be together as a couple and just kind of finding different ways to stay together and do what you love super inspiring to me so 
uh, I just really appreciate you guys taking the time to thanks, come Jason. on the show and share Thank your you. story Thank today. You. Jason, thanks awesome. so much for having us. Uh, this is really a privilege and uh, any chance that we get to talk about travel, <laughs> anything like that. I mean, we'll let you know when we come back to Norway. Next time we got to meet in person. Please do. You know, I got I'm in the loft here. I got a couch here and we got a bed and I think we got some room <laughs> for the Chapman sticks in the corner over there. I'd, I'd like a little lesson if you don't mind giving me one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can uh, keep the inspiration going. That's uh, student number two. <laughs> I love that. So, uh, yeah. Hit me up on it if you if you guys make it back. It sounds like you'll be back we in will. Norway. We will. We love this. It, yeah. it was amazing. Not guys. Far from oh. Germany either. You know, so oh, if you got to come down here to Lake Constance one of these days. Yeah, that's uh, where we are you... right now. It's our favorite performance spot as a biggest lake in Germany and Switzerland and Austria. It borders those three countries. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, there's these like, cute little fairy tale towns all around and people come here to vacation. Everybody's on holiday and super laid back and always happy. And that's mm. our favorite performance spot. Two months out of the year, you'll see us here yeah. <laughs> regardless, yeah. for sure. How far Love is that this. from Hamburg? That's uh, the complete opposite end. the opposite end. That's so, at the very south of the mountains. <laughs> we have some family over there. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, you, you can make, again, compared to Texas, like everything's close in this place. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Texas is bigger than Germany. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll link to all of the various resources, your website, and all the stuff we talked about today. And uh, again, thank you guys so much for your time. Thank, thank you, you, Jason. Jason. Thanks again. <laughs> <laughs> There you have it. I want to thank Mark and Steffi for their time. As promised, we're going to leave you with one of their songs as we head on out, let you go about your day. Hope this inspired you going back to the theme at the top of the show. Inspiration. Did this light the flames in your soul, give you some new ideas and how you might be able to take an unconventional approach to your current career or your field, perhaps taking an unconventional approach to something else? that you have uh, going on in your life that can allow you to incorporate more travel. This gave me a lot of food for thought and hope it did the same for you. I want to leave you with a quote before I let you go and say thank you once again for being a part of this community. I invite you to get in touch if you have any questions, any recommendations for guests. If you haven't left a review and you want to do that, those are always nice. Anything like that, you can reach me via email, jasonetzero2travel.com, or better yet, leave me a voicemail. I have a link in all the show notes and respond to all of them and listen to all of them. So I'd love to hear from you. And thanks again for being a part of this community. I'll leave you with a simple Zen saying, and then you can enjoy the sounds of the Chapman stick as Mark and Steffi play one of their new songs, Dream Catcher, off of their new album. I'll leave you with the Zen saying, only five words. Simple yet profound. Breathe deep and let go. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. Cheers.